0: Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all around interesting people. Sit back, relax, the uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. This week I am interviewing Victoria Gordon. Now, she is an L.A. native. She's dabbled in all kinds of stuff, writing, producing, singing, directing, all kinds of stuff. We are going to talk to her a little bit about all of those areas and and her passion behind that. Um, We're going to talk about her web series, Pilot Season, which is five pilots to to totally different um, series. Um, Really cool um, concept there, um, love to, to see one of those be picked up into an actual show. Um, we're also going to talk about cabaret, and that's uh, that's kind of where I spent a lot of my time. You know, before this interview, I wasn't exactly sure everything we were going to talk about, but then I really started getting interested while we were talking in cabaret. So I asked a lot of questions there. Um, so she does quite a bit of cabaret. She's that's something she's really passionate about. So we're going to talk about what is cabaret exactly you know what what goes into that um you know she's going to tell me all about how cabaret doesn't even you don't even necessarily have to sing which i did not know that at all so it was really fascinating to hear a lot about cabaret it was fascinating to hear about you know her journey in in show business and entertainment um she's just at the start of her her journey um i see really cool things happening um you know i i hope nothing but the best there and uh Without further ado, let's just get right into uh, the interview with uh, Victoria Gordon, hear a lot about uh, all the cool things she's up to, and a lot about Cabaret, too. I am here today with Victoria Gordon. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Good. (laughs) So let's just kind of get right into it. Tell us just a little bit about Victoria.
1: Well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so that's rare, apparently. I didn't know that because I grew up... (laughs) here and I grew up with people um and my family is also from here my parents are both born and raised here which is also apparently quite rare and I was raised in a what I would describe as show business connected family and that my family was they were not a-list celebrities I did not have you know grandparents who were you know part of the glitterati at the Oscars but they were involved in the business enough to give me a sense of what it's like and to make me really want to be part of it because I wanted to be like them so I saw more than just the glamour of showbiz I saw what it's really like and I'm glad I did taught me a lot so I'm yeah I'm just an LA native who loves performing loves creating and keeps putting material out there
0: yeah well two things kind of with what you said first yeah I mean I think there's obviously a ton of people that just moved to LA to to pursue their their dream what is it like I guess being a a native of LA with so many transplants
1: It's so funny because until I hit adulthood, like maybe college age or around then, I didn't realize it was a big deal because like I said, I grew up with people. I mean, I went to school with other kids. I had friends. I did activities with other people. You would think the way people think of it, that there's nobody here under a certain age because everyone moves here by their own choosing. But eventually, guess what? Those people get married, have children, have to send them to school somewhere. So it was never odd to me until I was old enough to meet a lot of people who moved here. But at the same time, I understand how growing up in LA is really special. And it's like growing up in any big city in that I think if I were to go somewhere smaller, I would be shocked by how different the environment is. Like when I visit my cousins in Michigan, and I love where they live in the suburbs of Detroit. It's just very different. I mean, they don't have the same kind of hustle culture of a big city. But at the same time, that's a lot of fun, too. So it's a little different depending on how you like your whether you like that more sort of upbeat, energetic city, or if you like a slightly slower paced, more suburban lifestyle.
0: Right. Right. So you, I I know that you, I believe even your grandparents were involved in, in showbiz. So how did, how did, I mean, how did your family originally move to, to LA? Was it because of, of the entertainment industry or was it totally something different? And you guys have just been there for generations and generations.
1: Well, one out of four was for show business. My grandfather, my dad's father, was in the military during World War II when he was stationed in the Azores, which is Mm -hmm. off the coast of Portugal. And one day, a a plane, like a USO plane came through there because they needed to refuel. And these guys are there and they're chatting and they're working on a script for a show that was going to go to Broadway. My grandfather wanted to be a pilot, engineer, just kind of started joking around with the guys coming up with ideas. And they said, hey, that stuff's good. What's your name? And he gave them his name. And after the war, about two years later, he got a call from one of those guys and said, hey, we're working on this radio show. Could you come out to LA and help us do jokes? And he said, why not? And that turned into, you know, a 40 plus year career in show business. So that was that one. The others, um, two of my my grandmothers were both essentially raised here. One moved here at four, one moved here at nine. They came for opportunities. Their families thought there was more in the West. And then my mom's father was born and raised in Brooklyn. And after the war knew that his true love, my grandmother was still in LA where he had been stationed briefly. And of course made his way back here as soon as he could to marry her. So a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a, an obvious question, but the, the one that I have is, do you think, you know, growing up in LA rather than, than being a transplant and having family in showbiz, Business. I don't know why I keep trying to say showbiz, show business. Um, Do you think that that's kind of shaped who you are, not just in entertainment, but um, also just kind of in, in life?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we can talk about nature versus nurture, but even beyond that, I think growing up in a place like LA is a different experience than growing up in a place like, I can go back to my cousins in Michigan. They just had a very different upbringing than we did. I mean, all the way down to like, I was talking to a couple of cousins in a group chat and one was talking about how when her son was a baby, he's five now. Um, she had to make sure she got a stroller that was, you know, snow equipped, like safe for the snow so she could push him around, like by the market and all that. And here I'm like, I would never have thought of that strollers are you just get whichever stroller is the in stroller. I, I spent all my cousins are older. So I spend too much time talking about strollers, but <laughs> <laughs> I, my sister and I are in this really cool position where we're the youngest cousins of our generation. So all of our cousins are older but the cool side effect of that is that all of their kids are younger than we are. So they all look up to us as like their cool big cousins. And we looked up to their parents as our cool big cousins. Um, But no, in general, there's definitely a lot that I've learned growing up in LA. A lot of it's big city stuff. Um, Obviously, you know, like being safe in a city and all that, but a lot of it is also just my family could not survive in a cold climate. When it hits 50 degrees, they are bundled (laughs) up. Like they have never walked outside before. So yeah, it's, there's a lot that goes into living in a city like this, but at the end of the day, I'm really, really happy that this is where I'm from.
0: Yeah. So other, I mean, I know that you've, you've been involved in a lot of different things like cabaret and, and all kinds of different things. So I want to kind of ask the other, you know, the big city, it's the cold climate. So that's probably why you're, you're, you haven't ventured there as much, but what do you see the difference between um, Los Angeles and, and New York city, not just in, in entertainment, but as a whole.
1: Well, I have to be honest. I love LA. This is where I'm from. This is where my family is. If I were told you can't stay in LA or no, even you can't stay in LA, pick any city you want to move to, no cost, no consequences, I'd be in New York. I dreamed of moving to New York from the time I was 10 until I was about 17 and started working in TV and realized that I was working here and wasn't gonna leave right away. But I adore New York. It's where I feel more like probably most at home. And I have a lot of friends and family there. They're very different cities, but not as different as either set of hardcore fans would like you to think. When it comes down to it, there's a lot that they have in common. I think the main difference is New Yorkers do everything in packs, you know? Um, Like you get on the subway, everyone's together in the car. You walk down the street, everyone's walking. Things are high and narrow and everyone's together a lot. Here in LA, there is so much more space. Everything is spread out. If you want to see a friend who's across town, it could take you, I mean, maybe not now, but in general, it could take you a solid hour to get to your friend. That does not generally happen in New York. Nobody walks. I mean, I walk everywhere, but nobody walks here. Our public transit system is not even worth discussing. Disgusting. It's probably disgusting too. But um, regardless, it's just a different setup. It's wide versus narrow, short versus tall, but at the end of the day, they are relatively similar. I think there's this expectation that LA is more laid back and New York is more uptight. I think it just depends on the people you're dealing with and otherwise they have a lot in
0: common. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, and you spent time in New York city when it's cold, cause it definitely gets cold.
1: Oh yes, I have. And <laughs> I've been to New York every time of year, pretty much. I've, yeah. I've been there every time of year. And aside from the really humid summers, which can get a little challenging. I, I just think it's wonderful there. And I always, like, I remember when I was 10 years old and I knew I wanted to move to New York, I found a book, must have been at the library or something. That was like a tourist guide to New York. And I started studying the maps of New York. Cause I was like, I need to know my way around. I need to understand the way the city works. if I'm going to move there. Like, I can't believe I was that practical at 10, but I really wanted to be there. And I just, I felt like it was calling me to come back and my love of theater in particular. But now as an adult, I realized that part of what drew me to New York was that I have so many friends there and family there and people that I love and miss dearly when I'm not there. Not that I don't have that here. And I'm sure if I moved there, I'd say, oh, I miss everyone at home. But my dream is to be bi-coastal someday and to be able to go back and forth between New York and LA and work in both places and have my social life in both places so I can be near my family and then I can be near my friends and I can work and We'll see. I mean, everything's kind of up in the air right now, obviously.
0: Right. Um, but yeah, let's kind of talk about your the the show business that you've been involved in. You I know that you you have a, a web series that I want to talk about, but I want to just kind of first ask you exactly what the different things that you've dabbled in because it seems like a lot.
1: Yeah. That would be a good statement. So I <laughs> label myself as a performer and creator. And what that encompasses is that I act, I sing, I write. I produce and sometimes when the need strikes, I direct. So as a performer, I just love getting out in front of an audience or on a camera and just doing my thing. I think entertaining people or making them feel something is really a big part of what I like doing. And I used to say, I just want people to laugh. Like that's all I cared about. And I love comedy. That's really where I'm most at home. But as I've gotten a little bit older and seen more and experienced more, my feelings on that are more nuanced. My goal is not just to make people laugh. It's to make people walk away with emotion. And generally speaking, I would prefer to leave them uplifted than to leave them downcast, but they don't necessarily have to be rolling around on the floor. Like that's not necessarily my focus. I'd rather just people walk away feeling something. Mm. And that goes for singing and acting. And then on the behind the scenes side, I love writing. I've loved writing since I was a kid. I used to write stories. I used to do all of that. And then it got into some more scripts because I like making TV. So I started doing that when I was in college and really pushed through that to now where I do a lot of that. And producing was not something you can't really teach producing. Producing has to be learned by doing. And I mean, you produce a podcast, you know what I mean? It's like you can teach it in a textbook way, but at a certain point, some of it's only going to be able to be learned on the spot. And I did not know this because you can't know this going in, but I have a talent for producing. I'm very good at putting a project together. So that has become something I'm really passionate about and something that I hope I can continue to pursue while working on both sides of the camera.
0: Yeah. And and that's what I, I was reading that you, you're, you're a writer, a director, a producer and a performer. So, and maybe, maybe you really, you really can't, I guess, put yourself in, in one area mostly, but Is there one that you're more passionate about than the others? Because if not, then you, I don't know how you sleep. You've just got, you've just got so much going on all the time.
1: I think my dad said it best. He said, you like whichever one you're not doing.
0: No, not Not
1: like a general, you (laughs) like literally me. And he's right. Because when I'm not, I'm like, so excited to get like, for example, I just, I'm working on this pilot project. And like when I was writing, I was like, okay, this is hard, I'm doing my best, but don't worry, soon it'll be done with the writing and I'll be on to producing it. And then when I started doing that stuff, I was like, okay, but I'll be performing before I know it. And then I was like, well, wait, maybe I should be singing and not acting. And then I was singing and I'm thinking, no, 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 wait, I want to be acting. And then I, you know, I just, I go back and forth. And what it comes down to is I don't do everything at once. I don't, I'm not 24, seven, 365 doing all of these jobs. They come in ebbs and flows. And I think the difference is someone who's just writing might find themselves cranking out a lot more material while I'm also then taking the time to put together a show or do a singing show or act in another person's project. And someone who's just acting might make, you know, 20 videos a week for the internet while I'm writing stuff to produce for another. So it's like, the trade-off is in maybe quantity, but I would like to believe that it's not ever in quality and that I'm always putting out really good material and it's diverse, you know, cause I have my various projects and various elements of it.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about various projects. Let's talk about um, cabaret. Cause that's one thing that, that was kind of struck me. Tell us just kind of about what cabaret is, because obviously we know, we know about TV shows and we know about the stage, but I don't think everyone definitely kind of in, in in the middle middle america exactly knows what cabaret is so explain it to us
1: well cabaret is an art form it would be closest i mean where i would describe it as a bit of a concert a bit of a one person play um a little bit theatrical i always loved performing and from the time i was very young i realized it was going to be more theatery performances that's where i look i am happiest and At one point when I was maybe like 16 or 17, people said, you know, you can't just sing show tunes. Like there's no market for just singing show tunes. So you have to try other things, which is valid. So I did, and I did pop and I did rock and I did obviously jazz was pretty easy step. I did country, which is also actually kind of an easy step. And I'll say that part of why I think country is an easy step from theater is because country songs are stories. Really good country music is about storytelling and so is theater. So I think that explains how that one worked. But my passion, my love, and where my voice really did its best was in more traditional theatrical fare. So I was like, okay, obviously, if there's no market for this, why don't I just make one? And I realized that back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, all of the big Broadway stars, you know, the legends, the Patti LuPone's, the Bernadette's, the Liza Minnelli's, all those people were doing nightclub acts which were not what we think of as nightclub acts today, but they were essentially cabaret shows. And those women have since transitioned and the men as well. I haven't mentioned any of them, but men too, into shows in front of audiences in, you know, symphony halls with orchestras. You know, they travel around the country and they perform with this orchestra or that orchestra. And since I knew that was something I would love to do, I I worked backwards and I thought, okay, if they're doing this, what did they do before? And they did these little nightclub shows. Now, Around the same time I was coming to this conclusion, I read an interview with Billy Lord, who is the daughter of Carrie Fisher and the granddaughter of Debbie Reynolds. And Billy said that her grandmother suggested she put together a cabaret act. And Billy said, Grandma, nobody does cabaret anymore. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Why not? Like, like there's no law. It's not like, it's not like I said I'm going to put together a disco show. Like, I mean, it's something that is legitimately out there and there's no reason people our age aren't doing it. So I started doing it. And that's really what cabaret has become for me is, you know, a little bit of theater, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of me writing and doing sassy routines and just making people feel like I was saying before. So that's, that's my best explanation of cabaret as it applies to me.
0: Yeah. And so do you think that that cabaret is kind of finding a resurgence or are or, or we just kind of, I guess, lucky here in Indianapolis? I'll tell you, we have a a cabaret theater downtown, and before the coronavirus happened, Jane Lynch actually came here and did a cabaret. So I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but that's kind of how I knew a little bit about cabaret because we do have kind of a, a big theater. So is that kind of odd, or is it has it made a resurgence?
1: Here's what I'll say about cabaret: it never went away. It's mostly that the audience ebbs and flows. You know, I find that if you look in certain parts of the country, you'll see a lot of little cabaret type theaters. And that's a great way for either young performers to get themselves out there or for more seasoned performers to reach out to audiences they wouldn't normally get. So I don't think it's ever truly gone away. I think the difference is that sometimes it has been a really big deal. And sometimes it just has had more of a niche audience. And I think we're kind of between the two right now. Theater is definitely not at its lowest point. We've had some very low points for theater. This is not one of them. Now, whether that translates into young performers from theater wanting to do cabaret style work or if they wanna to go towards more of like the pop or country or rock or insert other genre here, it's, that's really where it becomes a personal choice. Like I think a lot of young theater performers who've released albums in the last few years have tried to go more in a pop direction and that's their prerogative. That's what kind of al- That's the kind of album that sells. You're not gonna have the easiest sales on a cabaret album, but at the same time, that's also their audience. So it might not be the end of the world if they wanted to start looking at that audience and opening up to them more.
0: So tell me if this is, is, is correct or not. You're you're definitely the the expert here when it comes to cabaret, not me, but seems like it, it would take kind of a special kind of person that would be successful in it. I mean, not all singers could do it. From what I kind of from what I've kind of gathered, I think Jane Lynch is a great example. You kind of takes kind of a kind of a I don't know, I don't want to say spunkiness to be able to, to capture that, that small audience. Um, do you, I mean, do you agree with that, that it takes kind of a special kind of singer to be able to, to do cabaret?
1: Well, and that's the interesting thing is it's not just singers. I think there hmm. are some great cabaret performers who don't sing a note. I mean, okay. we could get into the more burlesque side of cabaret, but that's really not my thing. But even that aside, think about some of the great crooners out there who are very close to cabaret, but not I mean, even like Rat Pack guys. They weren't like the world's greatest singers, but they could put over a song. It really is about the personality and picking the right music to sort of get your message across. So there are some people who do cabaret who really aren't very good singers at all, but they have that personality that just allows them to to use a sort of cabaret-ish phrase, razzle-dazzle the audience versus okay. like in a pop setting or a big concert, like an arena kind of concert setting, where it's all about having the energy and the music and people are dancing. You don't see a lot of dancing amongst the audience members in a cabaret. They generally sit at their tables and clap.
0: Yeah. So I, I read that you did, did you 16 cabaret shows during COVID. How was that?
1: <laughs> that was intense. Um, I started right away. My first show was on March 22nd because yeah. I was supposed to have a live show that night that got canceled due to obvious reasons. So I went right online. I was like, I really want to do this show. So I didn't do the whole show. I did a modified version of it. And I just kept going from there and it had its ups and downs. I will say it kept me, especially for the first five months of the pandemic when I was doing shows every other week, it kept me on a very tight schedule and it didn't give me a lot of time to like process what was going on. It didn't give me the time to sit there and think, Oh my God, I've got nothing to do. Or what am I going to do? Or how am I going to handle this? Like I was so busy. I didn't have the time for that because in, Each of those periods, I did a unique show. Each of those 16 shows was a different show. I think there were like two or three repeat songs throughout the whole thing. I
0: learned
1: 88 songs. Mm. Um, So every other week I would have to pick the music, work on the music, work out my routine, pick my outfits, get all the tech together, get all the publicity together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do the show, repeat. And that was something that I have to say when I look back on this pandemic, that was very helpful in keeping me Sane and going was having that constant routine. Then we slowed down a bit, which is understandable because that was also a lot of work and those shows were more involved a little more intense in terms of like we would do like music videos practically, but at the same time, the main thing I got out of doing all those shows was that I learned a lot of music. And that's not something I would normally have the opportunity to do because most performers have essentially a set show and it's like, they can modify it. You know, they might swap in a couple different numbers here and there. They might make it longer or shorter and, you know, take a few out, add a few in. They don't generally learn all new repertoire every time they do a show. Hmm. So having to do that every other week was like trial by fire on really learning new music and really pushing myself. And I'm glad from that perspective as well, that I did this, but it was intense. That's basically my main answer is it was an experience. I don't think I will ever replicate that experience. It was a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Sounds like it. Was it, was it live in person?
1: No, these were all virtual because of the pandemic. So um, LA, just for those who are listening, who aren't aware was probably one of the most locked down cities in the country for most of the pandemic to the point that we just recently went from the highest emergency level tier to the second highest emergency level tier after a year
0: right.
1: like we have really been this has been one of the most locked down cities in the country and we are just now i mean like i think they just opened in-person dining for the first time in over a year so if things are really really changing here quickly but in a lot of other places i recognize that that's been par for the course for a while
0: right yeah yeah that, that's what i thought so i didn't know whether you were venturing out of out of Los Angeles cuz I, I knew that if it was in Los Angeles I didn't think that that would that would probably fly over too well in person. So um you 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 mentioned with, with cabaret and this is the last cabaret question. I don't know why I've gotten so stuck on this, but Not you mentioned you've mentioned uh, with cabaret there's a lot of lot of different things, you know, singing and uh, you you said that they don't even necessarily have to to sing a note. So tell us exactly what does your type of cabaret show look like?
1: Mine is sort of like the modified version of like a jazz club like an old school jazz club show. Like I loved I love Lucy growing up. I still love I love Lucy. And you know they would do those shows that Ricky would do where they'd like have the band and he'd sing a song and then he'd talk and then like sing a song. They're kind of like that. I sing, I tell stories during normal times I have my band with me, during these times I have some very good karaoke tracks. Um and I just like to tell stories between my songs and That's something that I've seen a lot of performers do. The only difference between what I'm doing and what a lot of the performers that I've enjoyed learning from do is a lot of them will choose music from shows they've been in. Like Bernadette Peters will do a whole show that's basically a retrospective of her career. And it's an incredible show. I've seen her twice live and truly incredible stuff. But for me, since I'm at the beginning of my career, it's more talking about my life experiences or why the song is meaningful to me or in a couple cases why I've always dreamed of playing those roles so my cabaret is a lot of talk with a lot of singing and by the end of the night I'm usually pretty tired but I hope I've entertained the audience
0: yeah so you said that you, you you like I love Lucy and you try to incorporate that so you don't have any like Desi bongo drums in there though right
1: No, I don't do any of that, but, um, you know, I do have, my mom is a harpist and my sister is as well, but my mom has accompanied me on a few occasions during my shows, which is also kind of a cool touch because harp is a very
0: Hmm.
1: unique instrument in general. So just having a harpist there is pretty different.
0: For sure. Yeah. So uh, again, let's, let's, let's put on one of your other hats. You've, you've got a lot of them and and let's talk about, uh, that web series pilot season. What's that all about?
1: Pilot season. (laughs) is five sitcom pilots. So I've written many things over the years and I chose five sitcoms that I had written. And they range from like, I have this one really broad, like multi-camera family comedy that's a satire of old family sitcoms, all the way to a more intimate dramedy that's really kind of like better things if you've ever seen that show, um, which is a love letter to LA, but mine's really less of a love letter to LA. But they're all different characters, all different stories, all different setups for different series. And... They are all like full-length sitcom pilots, but instead of being produced in person, given where we are right now, we sit down with the actors over Zoom, just like we're doing right now. We film the show, they film, we film close-ups and wide shots. We intersperse them. So my sister is a very talented editor and she intersperses them with like stock footage and music. And yeah, obviously you're watching a Zoom recording, but it doesn't have this feeling of like, I'm watching two people talk on Zoom. It's really got more of a TV feel. So it's actually really cool in that regard. And regardless, they're very interesting stories and bringing them to life has been illuminating both as a writer and also as a performer.
0: Yeah, so how did you get the idea to to do that? Because that's definitely an interesting concept.
1: I don't remember when exactly it was, but at some point last year, I had this moment, this sinking moment of truth that I think we've all had at least once or more during this pandemic where I said, I'm not leaving this house. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, This is not ending soon. This is gonna take a while. And I kept thinking, well, what else can I do that's creative, that is entertaining? Cause I knew that doing these cabaret shows over and over and over again, while a lot of fun was beginning to really take a toll on me and on my family because they helped me with these shows. And we were just a lot of work. Cause so again, all the new music, all the, everything. So I said, I wanna do something that's a little lower key that allows me to show off some of my other talents and that it's just a little different. So I was like, why can't we do virtual readings and virtual readings became like virtual pilot filming. And it was just something that I thought, you know, people need to be entertained and entertaining people takes a lot of forms. And for me, that was another form that I could use to give people some entertainment. And I'm really glad that I'm able to do that. So I figured let's just do it.
0: Yeah. So you, you said that each, each one is like a kind of a pilot for, for a different show or a different sitcom, correct? Right. So are, would you, is that kind of the whole idea of it that it's just, A pilot of each one or you know would you be interested in exploring each of those as an actual series
1: oh it would be ideal to explore them as actual series but for now um we did the pilots and what i think is nice about this is it shows because like you know anyone can read a script and i read a lot of scripts but there's something to be said for saying okay we can read along with the show or we can watch the show to sort of get a feel for how this might play out or what the vision was for how this might work. So I've been working on that and trying to sort of create them as like glimpses into what the world of this show might look like if it were a full show.
0: So how can we find these these pilot season series?
1: The easiest way to keep up with pilot season is to go to the pilot season Instagram, which is at TV Pilot Season, and just click the link in the bio and there's all kinds of information there. I have um, a mailing list. You can sign up for updates on the pilots. You can watch the shows. You can read about the shows. You can contact me, which you can also do through Instagram. So, like, that's the easiest way is to start with that Instagram and then go from there.
0: So, I mean, you you do do a lot of different things. I want to make sure that we we cover all of those things or the ones that you want to. So, tell us any other projects maybe you have uh, going on or ones that you you've done in the past that you want to highlight.
1: I have two cabarets coming up in May and June. Um, The details are a little bit up in the air because we're trying to see what we can get away with in terms of public gathering. It wouldn't be in a theater or anything, but we would like to be able to expand it to include some component of live with an audience. So that's kind of something that's in flux, but I'm really excited. There are two shows that are definitely more in depth than what I was able to do over the summer and the fall. (laughs) And however long it was that I was doing my online week after week shows. But I think they're going to still be really appealing to audiences. And, you know, that's really the main thing I'm focused on after pilot season is getting those shows off the ground.
0: No, for sure. So maybe the the hardest question, I know this is a hard one for me when people ask me, you know, I I want to check out the podcast. What's, which is the first episode I should listen to? And that's almost impossible, but I'm going to ask you anyways, if somebody wants to listen to or watch pilot season, which is the, the best first one to kind of get their feet wet?
1: Okay, here's the thing, and I've been saying this from the get-go, not every episode is going to appeal to everyone. Yeah, each that's same slightly, way with me. <laughs> although it's true, each one has a slightly different yeah. audience. So like if you grew up on old family sitcoms and you love satire, behind the times is your kind of thing. If you are a young woman who wants to see a show about other young women, underachievers is probably gonna be more your speed. If you have sort of interest in science or Antarctica, watch Sunny. Um, if you used to watch Arrested Development religiously or Soap or Shit's Creek, I recommend the nuclear option. And if you're more into dramedy or like shows about Hollywood or more like, like light or more intimate fare, then I would say fame adjacent. So the truth is it really just comes down to what your preference in TV is, but there is something for everyone. It's just not all for everyone.
0: Yeah. And you covered all five. I thought we were just gonna maybe find four and then the fifth one, like, nah, not the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then if you just want to, then just watch the fifth one.
1: I know, right? I feel like there's always that one where you're like, okay, maybe not so much that one, but like the others are all, like I have a friend who does this online comedy show and I think she's really pushed a few of her episodes and then one or two I've noticed have just kind of fallen off the radar. I'm like, hey, what happened to those? She's like, we don't talk about those. I'm like, okay,
0: sounds good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And And I think that is sometimes the case. I mean, of course, I'm proud of all of the episodes, but every week we do talk to totally different people, totally different personalities. So sometimes it is a little bit, I mean, it's just a a different kind of conversation that I don't know that necessarily should be the very first one that they listen to. So so I I completely completely. understand that.
1: (laughs) Totally, like with my singing shows over the summer, there was one that had some technical issues, but the music was good. So I was like, look, if you really are not interested in what you see and you just want to listen, that's a great one to listen to. But if you really care about like, the whole picture of like literally the whole picture you're not going to enjoy that show you don't have to listen to that one. it's okay or like the one where you're like hey grandma maybe don't check that one out it's not really your speed but at the same time if you make quality work and you really want to show that work to people you just have to find the right audience for the project that's all it comes down to and it's the same with your show you have to just make sure the people listening are listening to the right thing for them
0: right and i kind of like how you you said you know grandma this one may not be your speed and that's probably a good way to kind of narrow it down with your pilot season um but so which one is is good for i guess people who like uh i guess a little bit more risque and which one's good for grandma to watch
1: well i will tell you this much i was pretty impressed as i went through all five scripts because i narrowed it down from other things too really only one of them references sex once um -hmm. one of them has a decent amount of swearing but not in a vulgar way. It's like, it's kind of a joke amongst the characters to use a repeatedly, like a repeated sentence with a curse word in it. Um, behind the times is good, clean fun for absolutely everybody. There's nothing in there inappropriate. Underachievers, apparently we dropped a few um, less than clean words in, but it's minor. Sunny is also pretty clean, but a few moments of foul language. We mentioned sex once in the nuclear option and um, fame adjacent, we drop a few F-bombs. But the truth mm-hmm. is, Ultimately, if you can appreciate the spirit in which they're all intended, it's all clean in content in terms of like what is going on. There's nothing dirty in the storylines. It's really at that point, your comfort with language. And I am the kind of person who doesn't like to swear in my personal life. I do it in my performances when it presents itself as necessary, but I fully understand why people would be less than comfortable with that. So again, judge it by your own comfort level.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I want to make sure that we, you know, you talked about how they can connect with your, um, your series pilot season, but how can they connect just with you as a whole?
1: Well, so you can either go to Instagram where I am the Victoria Gordon, or you can visit my website, which is the victoriagordon.com, And feel free to send me messages. I always respond and all my stuff is there. My shows, my singing, my photos that I've taken over the years, you can pretty much find anything you want about me on one of those two places.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Thank you. And that was my interview with Victoria Gordon. Hope you enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed her hearing about uh, just her her journey in entertainment, uh, about cabaret. Obviously, we spent a lot of time on that. It was something that really fascinates me. Um, A lot about uh, pilot season. Do check out that web series. You know, like she was saying, they may not all be for you. Um, they may not all be something you're interested in, but I'm sure with, with five very different uh, pilots, there's there's at least got to be one, two, maybe all five uh, that you're interested in. So check that out. Uh, check out Victoria and the social media areas that she mentioned. Check us out on the social media too. Um, you know, the website's jacksonhuff.com, the... Instagram is not in a huff podcast. So really appreciate you being here and uh, we'll see you next week. This has been not in a huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being
1: awesome.